Welcome back to Mediavine On Air. I'm your host, Jenny Guy, and today we have a great episode for you. As content creators, you have to strategize on how to build your brand, scale your monetization, and reach new audience members all at the same time. But that can be really difficult in our digital world between TikTok and Instagram and the news and the litany of ways we're connected online. How can you accomplish these three crucial goals? Enter affiliate marketing. Affiliate marketing helps build your brand by promoting other brands that align with yours. It helps you reach new audience members that are already using the product you're advertising or could be interested in the product you're advertising. And it helps you scale your site financially in a simple but efficient way. Today's episode features not just one affiliate marketing expert, but two. We always like to double up here. Amanda Williams from the travel website, A Dangerous Business, and Janine Crooks, Partner Acquisition and Development Manager at AWIN. These ladies are powerhouses of knowledge and provide complimentary perspectives as we hear about how they got started and give action items to help you today. So make sure you subscribe to Mediavine On Air and give us a rating wherever you're listening. Now, let's hear from Amanda and Janine. You're listening to Mediavine On Air the podcast about the business of content creation. From SEO to ads and social media to time management, if it's about helping content creators build sustainable businesses, we are talking about it here. I'm your on-air host, Mediavine's Jenny Guy. It is the final month of the 2019 Summer of Live, and even though it is hot and dry most places around the world right now, we are making it rain here at Mediavine and continuing our focus on monetization. Welcome, and thank you for joining us. I am Jenny Guy. I am the Marketing Manager for Mediavine, and I have two amazing guests that I'm going to talk more about here in a second. What we're focusing on today has the potential to be a really highly lucrative revenue stream for content creators, but it also has the potential for being complicated and challenging to get going. We are talking about affiliate marketing. What did you think of when you heard the term? Did you have excitement, dread, bewilderment? Well, luckily, my two incredible guests, when they hear affiliate marketing, they also hear cha-ching because they know how to earn. They are experts from different sides of this equation. So first, I have Mediavine publisher Amanda Williams. She has one of the top travel blogs on the internet, A Dangerous Business, which she started in 2010. In 2018, A Dangerous Business was awarded a silver award for best travel blog in the 2017-2018 Lowell Thomas Travel Journalism Competition, which is hosted annually by the Society of American Travel Writers. S-A-T-W for the acronym. So not only is the content on her site phenomenal, a dangerous business helps drive more than $35,000 in sales to its affiliate partners every month. Amanda is also killing it with ad revenue and relationships with brands and tourism boards. Hello, Amanda. Welcome to the Summer of Live. Hi. Thanks, Jenny. Yay. We're so glad you're here. And then my other part, so she's on the blogger side of the equation. And I also have Janine Crooks. She is the Partner Acquisition and Development Manager at AWEN, a global affiliate network. She is especially experienced in affiliate marketing and internet marketing and creating successful partnerships and developing effective, profitable websites that generate immediate involvement and results. She's a frequent conference speaker everywhere from Affiliate Summit to TBEX and the Military Influencers Conference. She's also a travel writer herself and her work has appeared in most of the major newspapers across the US and Canada. Thank you for joining us, Janine. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you both here. So I know that there are a lot of questions out there about affiliate marketing. So please make sure to post in the uh, in the in the comments and I will make sure that we ask the questions to my wonderful guests. But let's start 
Kata, with a more general question, ladies. So you're both extremely well-traveled, both literally and figuratively, with your education and your careers. So how did you get this expertise that you both possess in affiliate marketing? How did you become experts? What about affiliate marketing made you decide it was worth your while? And let's start with Amanda. I was trying to think of when I actually started implementing affiliates on my site. And I think it was fairly early. Um, like within the first year, I started adding Amazon links to my site, but I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, this was this was back in like 2011. So like nobody was really talking about SEO. Certainly nobody in the travel blogging industry was really talking about affiliate marketing. So it was kind of just like hit or miss for the first couple of years. And I got serious about it. I want to say probably about 2015. Um, that's the year that I went full time with my blog as my only career. So I knew that diversifying my income was going to be really, really important. Uh, and it has been um, because, you know, in this industry, things change all the time. So having as many income streams as possible is really ideal. So I knew that affiliate marketing was going to be a good one because it's something that there aren't as many barriers to entry as some other forms of monetizing a website. So I knew that um, I could get started right away. And I knew that, you know, I had already built up a large enough audience to where I felt like they would trust me to recommend things. And that's, that's really just kind of where I started. And again, I knew it was going to be worth it as a passive income stream because um, I was already recommending stuff to my readers. And so I figured, well, if I'm already recommending things, why don't I add some affiliate links and try and actually make some money from those recommendations that I'm already like authentically making. So, yeah. It seems to be something that really goes hand in hand with being a travel blogger. That's what people are coming there for is to get your experience, the benefit of your experience for you to make those recommendations for them. And so it's, it seems to be a very, it's a natural fit for all bloggers, affiliate marketing, but it seems to be an especially great fit for people in the travel space for sure. Yeah. And I think as, as you know, Google algorithms have changed and things like that, and more bloggers are getting more of their traffic from SEO. So from searches. So if you have people that are searching for, you know, places to stay and tours to take and that sort of thing, it, it is a really natural fit to uh, work in some affiliates for things that you're probably already writing about. Love it. Great answer. Okay, Janine, same question to you. Why affiliate marketing and how did you become an expert? While I was travel writing, especially when I was first starting, I was also working a regular job and I was always the marketing person at whatever company I was at. And I actually went to a company and inherited managing an affiliate program. And um, so I learned an awful lot about it fast <laughs> and loved it. I mean, I just loved all the possibilities on there. Um, you know, and I, I have... That love has continued to grow. I've been in affiliate marketing now for over 20 years. Awesome. I've been an affiliate. I've been a merchant. I've been a vendor. This is my second time with an affiliate network. And I can't imagine doing anything else in my life. I just literally love it that much. And I think the biggest reason why is because I've seen so many times when affiliate marketing has changed someone's life, you know, when all of a sudden they are making their mortgage payment with it. I mean, I actually saw someone go from homeless to homeowner. Wow. Because affiliate marketing. I mean, that was a guy who was really determined, you know, but but he did it. And, you know, just knowing that anyone can do that and, and hopefully I can help them be part of that just makes it very fulfilling for me to be part of it. You know, so that's that's one of the biggest reasons why I love affiliate marketing. 
We love that answer. That's, I mean, it's a lot of why we do what we do here at Mediavine. It's, it's so incredibly amazing to hear the stories of people who are having their lives changed by creating the content that they create. It's, mm -hmm. it's so exciting. So are you of the opinion you said a little bit, but you believe anyone can do this. Is that right, Janine? Oh, yes. You know, I mean, if you're writing on a blog, you know, and, and, the thing is, too, is you don't have to have huge numbers to be successful. You need to have more engaged readers. That's the part, you know. So, I mean, I've seen blogs that don't seem to have a large audience do incredibly well. And it's because they've developed a sense of trust with their readers so that, you know, if they say, hey, this is a great widget, you need to have this, and the people go out and buy the widget, they get the commission. But it's because they really believe it and their readers know I can count on this person to recommend something that's good. Uh, you know, and so that's that's powerful. I'd rather have a blog that has 5,000 engaged readers or even, you know, 2,000 engaged readers rather than somebody who's 100,000, yeah, you know, <laughs> the 100,000, yeah, are not going to buy stuff, you know, and that's kind of the key for affiliate marketing. You do need to get them to buy things, you know, but if it's stuff that you recommend and you know that's going to, you know, improve their lives, it's make them, you know, um, whether their hobby becomes easier or whatever, you know, then then it's good. Then you're helping them. So you're helping them, and hopefully affiliate marketing is helping you. Love that. I, uh, there's actually a lyric for a Broadway song that's, uh, I would rather be nine people's uh, favorite thing than 100 people's ninth favorite thing. So that sounds a lot like what you just said. And I love that. Yeah, I love it too. And I also think that it's very encouraging uh, to hear that affiliate marketing is mimicking what the sponsored posts and influencer marketing is and that brands are really starting to take notice of that engagement as well. And that's something that converts for the brands and makes has great value for them as opposed to just numbers. So it's exciting to hear that there's another revenue stream that really focuses on cultivating those intimate relationships with your readers. I think that's great. So between creating content, social media platforms, relationships with brands, conferences, video, speaking, etc., we know that influencers are constantly pulled in a million different uh, directions and you could make a full-time job out of learning the algorithm shifts for Facebook, which is one tiny piece of the huge influencer pie. So why do you encourage affil uh, affiliate marketing as a place to really for, for influencers to really invest their time? What do you love about affiliate marketing for influencers? And Janine, you kind of went into this, but specifically, why do you think it's such a uh, strong choice for influencers to learn about it? And we'll start with you, Janine. Okay, well, one of the things is affiliate marketing doesn't have to take a lot of time. You know, it's it's um, it's a little bit more than set it and forget it. Matt and I were just joking about that a minute ago. But what I encourage them to do is when you're getting to the end of, you know, a post that you just wrote or something like that, take five minutes to figure out what the right affiliate links are to put into that post and then publish. You know, and it really doesn't have to take a lot longer than that. There are a lot of tools. Um, you know, I can I can speak most about AWIN. That's who I work for. But, you know, we have we have a bookmarklet. We have a, a Chrome extension that will let you pull the deep link for whatever product it is you're looking at. So you can just copy and paste. It's no more complicated than that. But by doing that, you have the opportunity now to make money on a post that you just wrote. Um, you know, and even if it's a sponsored post, you can go back to posts that you did you know, six months, a year or longer than that. You know, you've probably got some posts that are doing great that are old. You got paid for the sponsorship, but now you can actually swap out those links for affiliate links and start making money from it again. You know, it's so it's it's those kinds of things that I think are just wonderful opportunities for influencers. Their content is already there. It's already amazing. Now just this is one more way to earn 
from what it is that you've already created. How, how nice is that? Amanda, why as an influencer did you, I know that you talked about diversifying revenue streams, but it sounds like, is, is affiliate marketing a huge piece of the pie for you? Yeah, it is. I'd say it's probably 40% of my income. That's currently. amazing. So yeah, it's, it's a big chunk. And I think why I would recommend it, I kind of already touched on it, but it's, I mean, there's no barrier to entry, right? It, in most cases, you don't need to have any like minimum numbers or, mm -hmm. or anything like that. You can kind of just get started and you have it, you have control, right? I mean, it's not like someone else is throwing links onto your website or anything like that. You're deciding what you're recommending and what links you're adding and where, but I, think it's great for someone like me. I travel a lot. So affiliate marketing along with ad revenue is one of those things that kind of once you set it up, it's there. And so I'm able to make money even when I'm not at work. So I can be traveling and still earning money. And that's great. But I think another thing that often kind of gets like a little bit overlooked is that I think affiliate sales and knowing what kind of sales you're making can actually be great proof of actual influence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of times when we talk about influencer marketing, we talk about, oh, but how do you measure ROI and, and all of these yeah. things? Um, for me, I can say, okay, well, here are some of the brands that I'm an affiliate for and here's how much in sales I make every month. And so that's, you know, I can, I can find out what my readers are actually buying, what kind of posts they're actually reading and then making purchases from. So it helps me grow my income, but then also helps me decide like which brands are going to be a good fit for my audience. And so it's just kind of like win-win for both sides. Um, but I think also in this ever changing world of influencers and bloggers, just being able to say like, Hey, my audience actually buys X, Y, Z. Um, is proof that you actually have some influence over them. And I love that as a pitching strategy to go in and is that stuff you're including in your media kit, Amanda? Yeah, yeah, I, I have I have a line in there saying like this is the amount of affiliate sales I make a month. Um, I find that more and more brands are starting to kind of, it's starting to click that like, oh, hey, we could work with people as affiliates on top of like sponsored posts and things mm -hmm. like that. So I think it's, I hope, that that's kind of the, the direction that the industry is going to go. That was always the ultimate goal. Before I came to Mediavine, I started the influencer program for a brand uh, in Chicago, and it was a U.S. brand. That, it was a European brand that was U.S. brand, and it was always the goal to have someone write a post, fall in love with the product, and then become that long-term relationship where they were wanting to write, and they were, and then encouraging them to stay, kind of become almost a member of the family as an affiliate, that's always the goal, I think. And I think that they go so, they nicely dovetail and are a great way to take that one-off post and extend it into a long-term relationship. I love that. Definitely. And I, I'm much more likely to consider working with a brand if that's an option. Like we're not just talking about a one-off sponsored post, but we're also talking about, you know, a good affiliate program that's longer term. And and so I think it's important as as a blo on the blogger side to think long-term, to think, okay, well, it might be nice to make X amount of dollars to publish this sponsored post, but what can I do with this content a year from now when, you know, like the sponsored post money is long gone and, you know, then then what happens to that content, so. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about blogger content anyways, that it's evergreen, it's existing out there and affiliate marketing and ads are a way to continue earning on those posts long after you've done the work of writing them. So we're, we're just having a big old love fest for affiliate marketing. I love it. <laughs> so Yeah, I figured that you guys would probably not be against that, 
that, that tact. So there are a million different ways to engage in affiliate marketing. Uh, Amanda, you mentioned you started out with just Amazon links, but then there's ShareASale, there's Awin, there's a million different platforms, programs out there. Uh, and then there's also building that individual relationship with the brand who is managing their own affiliate platform. So what are your favorites? I, I know Janine might have a little bit of a, uh, a slant here, but how can our audience start using these platforms? How do you vet a platform? Do you guys know, uh, could you come up with some red flags that if someone is contemplating entering an affiliate relationship with a platform or a program, they should look out for? Uh, Janine, we'll start with you. Okay, um, I think there's some things that you can definitely look at. Yes, I do have my favorites. They're Awin and ShareASale. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of other good networks that are out there as well. Um, but I think that it's important. One of the things that you can do is take a look at what who the merchants are that each network is working with. Are those names that you recognize? You know, or does it seem like it's Joe Bar's Joe's Bar and Grill and Insurance Leads? Might be a little skeptical about that. Move on. But if it's, you know, like like for us, some of our names are like Etsy, HP, StubHub. You know, if those kind of customers have chosen to work with, you know, this particular network, there's got to be something good about that network because they can choose anybody and they chose them. You know, so, I mean, it's it's those kinds of things that I always try and take a look at. Um, there's enough blogger communities that are online where you can just go on there and say, hey, who likes this one? Have you worked with them before? Are they good? You know, and and. I mean, it, it's up to us as networks to make sure that we do maintain our reputation with bloggers, you know, by supporting them, by helping them, by providing the tools that are there that they need. And so, I mean, that's actually one of my personal responsibilities for AON. I love doing it, you know, because I, I feel that that's very important to do. But, you know, it's those kinds of things that you want to take a look at. You know, yeah, look look for name brands, I think, is, is the big one. You know, see kind of... You, you're going to be able to get a sense probably from their website too. Is their website like one page and looks like it got thrown together? Are there typos on it? You know, those sorts of things. You know, does it look like the company's got a, a you know, good size, um, has a reputation for paying their publishers like they're supposed to because there's somewhere all of a sudden they'll just disappear. Uh, you know, so have they been in business for a while is also something. I mean, there, there's some new good ones. They tend to be smaller, but, you know, if you're first starting out and you want to make sure that you're going to be securing your income, you know, kind of work with with the better known networks, I would say, and the better known merchants, the merchants who've had a program for a while or else are so big that, you know, you know, like Etsy just started their program, I think, three years ago. So it's not that it's a program that's been around for, you know, 10 or 12 years, but most people have heard of Etsy. Go figure. So you yeah. know, they've got like 300 million products on there. So you know, it's things like that, I think, to look for. If it's somebody you would buy from. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if it's, I'm sure that if, if their website is, is causing you to feel trust, then that's something that your, your clients, your readers will also feel. Amanda, same question to you. How, what type of uh, affiliate platforms are you associated with beyond just starting with Amazon? And then what types of things do you look for specifically before you engage with someone in that way? Yeah, so I mean, I think that obviously platforms and programs are going to vary depending on your niche and your audience. So for travel bloggers, you know, we're going to be using affiliates a little bit differently than say a beauty blogger or a food blogger. But I would say I'm on like all the big platforms. So ShareASale, CJ, Awin, um, all of those, Amazon, we already talked about. And then um, I, I'm in some like direct programs for some travel specific affiliates. So like hotel affiliates and travel insurance and that sort of thing. So um, 
But just like Janine was saying, I think when you're kind of deciding which programs to join, uh, I always tell people start with programs for brands you're already recommending, companies that you're already using, um, and finding out where they have their programs. Um, trust, again, is always a huge thing. If it's not something I would buy, I'm not going to recommend it to my readers. Um, I get emails pretty much every day inviting me to join like a new affiliate program for a product or a brand I've never heard of before. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it can be... It can be tough when you're first starting out to figure out where to start. So I usually say start with those handful of products and companies that you already know you love and that you could um, recommend without any trouble and then find out where they are. A lot of brands, though, are on multiple platforms or they might be on one of these um, affiliate platforms and then also have their own direct program. So in those cases, it then it comes down to kind of the nitty gritty details of, you know, what are the commission rates like and how are they paying you and, and all these other things that you, you might want to think about. But um, I think the good thing about joining programs through these larger platforms is that everything's kind of aggregated in one spot. Um, it's usually a little bit easier to know you're going to get paid every month. And it's just, I think, a, a safer place to start because there are so many programs to choose from if you're using like a share a sale or something like that. You know, I think you just brought up a couple of really good points because, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of publishers who, who just say, oh, I'm going to join their in-house program. And that's fine. God bless, you know. But one of the things to keep in mind is that every program has a payout threshold. And so like for us on AWIN, that threshold is $20. And so any combination of commissions that you received from all of your merchants that hits $20 triggers a check. If you're just on an in-house program and their threshold is $20 or $50 or in some cases $100, you have to sell $100 through their program before you get anything. And so I've had a lot of folks, especially when they're just getting started and, you know, kind of commissions are a little bit slower to arrive because they haven't kind of filled up that particular, you know, pipeline. Of, of links on their site, it might be easier to perhaps work with, you know, work with a network where you've got a lot more chances to hit that threshold. And so, so it sounds like you're advocating for casting a while, a wide net in terms of the, the products that you, so you're saying that in terms of coming on one of these networks, you have the options for many different products with many different brands and you can kind of scatter your links out more broadly and have a better chance at converting. Oh, absolutely. Well, share sale has 4,000 merchants, you know, so I mean, yeah. if you go on there, you're going to find just about, you're going to find somebody selling just about everything you could ever think of, you know? And so, so by doing that, um, their threshold's a little bit higher than ours, but nevertheless, it's, it's attainable. They'll help you. You can see, you know, I mean, and what you said was so true, Amanda, about, you know, being able to just kind of log into your account and being able to see what merchants are performing um, if you set up your links the right way, you know, we recommend deep links. We recommend adding things like click refs in there. You can actually know that, you know, you made this sale from this mention of this product on this page on this date, you know, which perhaps was right after you did a social media promotion or something like that, you know, and so if you start studying those analytics, you really can optimize your results. Um, you know, so part of that is, is you know, are you a, a numbers nerd? <laughs> Do you get into that or not? Some people do. But I mean, just even seeing that, 
I, I tell a lot of people they can just spend 15 minutes a day on affiliate marketing and you know really start getting a good foundation on it. And sometimes what that means is to go through and take a look at some of the links and say, you know what, I haven't, I've never sold this particular item. Maybe if I switch to this version of that item or you know get that item from this seller instead of from that seller, I might start selling it because you know different sites will convert for different people. So, you know, like Amanda was saying, getting to really know your audience and what they respond to is kind of one of those things to take a look at as well. But, you know, so the, the, hard, the most important thing. <laughs> so the first thing you said, uh, you well, you said this a couple of times, deep link. What, what, say what? Yeah, deep link. <laughs> a deep link means that instead of just sending someone to, for, for example, the merchant's homepage. So instead of just sending them to lonelyplanet.com, you're sending them to lonelyplanet.com backslash 50 great things to do in Thailand. Okay. You know, and so it's right to the exact thing that you just said was great. So that's a deep link. So it's deeper into the merchant site that you're linking to it. But one of the things to keep in mind is that, okay, great. So you just sent me to, to buy this book on 50 great things in Thailand. And instead I decided I wanted to buy the world of beer book from Lonely Planet, which by the way is a great book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you still get commission from that. You know, you still earn money just because you managed to get them to the merchant's site, regardless of what they buy. They don't have to only buy what you sent them there for. Well, I'll tell you like one of our merchants is Etsy. And I see a lot of people who link to a lot of things on Etsy. And I can also, Etsy um, gives you deep product information. So you can literally see what product it was that you sold in each case. And I had one woman who was linking to a particular dress. It was like a maternity dress for, you know, how people like to get those really pretty pictures when they're like in their seventh or eighth month or something. Mm -hmm. And so she, you know, over the course of the next month had like 20 sales on Etsy and not one of them was for the dress. Uh -huh. She sold margarita glasses. She sold a customized dog collar. She sold party supplies. She sold a really pretty dresser lamp. She never sold a single one of the dresses, but it didn't matter because you know what? That check cleared. Yeah. So, you know, it worked out well. So Amanda, how do you determine what your audience will buy? And it's sounding like you don't even necessarily have to determine what the exact product is, but what product line or uh, website they're going to buy from. How do you, do you test that? Is there, is there AB testing? What, how did you make those determinations? So some of it is just testing. Um, and some of it is just like, you know, I, um, I'm not like a huge data nerd, but I do pay attention to my analytics and to, you know, where people are from and, and that sort of thing, which is sometimes important for some affiliates um, if they have different programs for different regions of the world. Like that's something you have to sometimes keep in mind. Uh, like Amazon has programs for, you know, several different countries in the world and you have to kind of like pick which ones you're going to join. But another thing I always recommend doing uh, that I don't think enough bloggers think to do is to actually just ask your audience. I try and do a reader survey at least once a year. And now granted, not everybody who reads your site is going to participate in a survey. But uh, even if you just get like a couple hundred responses, that's enough to kind of extrapolate the data from. So uh, for example, I ask general things about my site and about how uh, how my readers travel and that sort of thing. But I also ask really specific questions that are just geared towards my affiliate strategy. So I'll ask them things like, you know, when you travel, do you purchase travel insurance? Um, what sites do you use to book your hotel or search for flights? Do you read reviews on TripAdvisor before you book something? Um, and these all kind of like have to do with how I'm using affiliates. So 
for example, um, the last survey I did, I asked people whether they read reviews on TripAdvisor before booking a hotel uh, because TripAdvisor was an affiliate I was thinking of implementing and was just like, well, I don't know if people are actually going to click over or not. Um, but 93% of people who took my survey said they either always or sometimes will read TripAdvisor reviews. So that was a no brainer then for me to go ahead and start putting TripAdvisor links into my uh, destination specific posts. And now it's one of my highest affiliate earners. So even just asking mm -hmm. your audience, you might think you know what they're using to book things and you might actually have no idea. Uh, you might think that they're using, you know, Amazon only once a month, but they might be using it like 10 times a day. Like you just, you don't really know unless you take the time to ask. So I definitely recommend if you've never surveyed your readers about how they're actually booking or buying things, do it. Um, it's definitely going to help your affiliate strategy. I love that. That is so smart. Genius. Okay. So let's the multi-million dollar question or the homeless to homeowner question. What converts? Uh, for Janine, what type of content do you encourage your clients to create that if they really want to sell? And then Amanda, what works for you with your audience? Uh, let's start with you, Janine. Well, what I really do is encourage you to find you know, the words about the products that you just talked about, you know, and, and turn those into deep links. So put it right into your content. Affiliate marketing does not mean putting a display ad on the side. That's not, that's going to be your least successful way. And usually when I talk to someone who said, oh, I tried affiliate marketing and it didn't work, it's because all they did was put up banner ads. That's not going to do it. You're going to do much, much better from text links. Um, I always say that any noun, especially a proper noun, can be an, become an affiliate link. And so, you know, and that's really true. I mean, if you're specifically mentioning a brand name, turn that into an affiliate link. You know, find a good source for that product. Um, it's not always the manufacturer, by the way, who may have an affiliate program. Sometimes you might need to go to an online department store. So maybe you're going to AliExpress or Alibaba or something like that, that, you know, someplace that sells it um, and, and be able to do that. But, you know, and the other thing that I would say is don't put don't turn every noun into an affiliate link, um, you know, scatter them prudently. So maybe, you know, put two or three, if it's a really long article, maybe put five in there, but you know, not every single word, but you know, by doing that, it's also kind of a pipeline thing. That's what I was mentioning before. What you want to do is scatter those links throughout your posts on your blog so that there's lots and lots of opportunities for people to buy. Because what you'll find is that on Monday, you sold from article one and article number seven. And on Tuesday, you made three sales and it was articles number five and 14 and 27. You know, and it'll, it'll work that way um, because it depends on who your reader is on any given day and what they're ready to buy. But the biggest thing that you're doing is giving them the opportunity to buy. And that's what having affiliate links all over the place that are links that make sense, that are genuine to products that you know and you love you know, or services that you've used or you have really looked into. I mean, I know it's not possible for you to buy every single thing that you do. Um, you know, it's not possible to stay at every single room that's recommended by TripAdvisor, who's one of our merchants, by the way. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> but you can you can definitely, you know, really research something and then also talk about it. You know, ask your friends, ask your coworkers, ask other bloggers that you trust to be able to do it. But text links. I think will way outperform anything else. That's what I've seen consistently. Amanda, did you find the same thing? 
Yeah, I would definitely say text links over images or other banners. I mean, you can, it's something that you can test, obviously, because what works for one audience might not work for the other. But I think in general, most people will say that text links are the best performers. But I think another, were you done, Janine? Because I don't want to jump yeah, in. Yes, no, go ahead. I think another thing, though, that's really, really important to talk about when we're talking about affiliate marketing is actually having intention with the sort of content that you're creating for affiliates. So yes, you can absolutely add affiliate links into just about everything. And I feel like most people who are doing this regularly do anyway. I mean, any sort of uh, destination post that I'm writing, I'm gonna be putting some affiliate links into it. But it's also really important from a strategy standpoint to think about uh, the buying process or the booking process if we're talking about travel, which is what I know best, because obviously different people write different types of posts and not every type of post is going to be right for affiliate links. Sure, you can put affiliate links into every post, but if you're writing a post, say, about the worst bus ride I've ever taken in my life... <laughs> Like the sort of person who's going to come and read that post isn't necessarily the sort of person who's looking to book a bus trip necessarily. <laughs> so you unless do it's for like what motion sickness medication or something like that. <laughs> like, but so you, you do have to think of reader intent. So those kind of mm -hmm. like personal narrative type stories are great and like readers love them, but those aren't going to be the ones that are going to convert the best. So you do need to think about, okay, what is someone who's actually looking to book something or purchase something? What are they searching for? And then kind of tailor your content to that. So in travel, mm -hmm. for example, instead of writing five reasons why I love Cleveland, I might write, you know, the top five places to stay in Cleveland if I'm trying to do something that's a little bit more geared towards selling something. And in that case, you're going to be recommending hotels. That's just a random travel example, but I think you probably get the idea. So it, it reader intent really does matter when it comes to affiliates. And if you're focusing on search traffic that's coming in, so when people are searching for something, especially if it's a, you know, uh, where to stay, things to do you know, products to buy to maybe do a certain thing, whether that's cooking or baking or doing some sort of DIY craft. Um, if people are searching for those sorts of phrases, those are the people who are actually looking to buy something mm -hmm. rather than just read a story about something. So I think that that's, that's important to keep in mind too. That's One of the things that I used to do when I was writing um, more, because <laughs> we wrote for a lot of newspapers and we always had to do an if you go section. Um, and so, you know, you can do that online as well, you know, so at the bottom of your article, even if it was the worst bus trip in your life, there was still something you liked about that city, I'm going to guess, or you wouldn't be writing about them. And so in the bottom, you can just say, you know, for more information, here's a place to find great hotels in Pittsburgh, here's a place to find, you know, whatever, and just kind of list those things out. So even if you want to do it as kind of a little tiny roundup at the bottom, just a paragraph with, you know, bullet point for this, 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 however it is you'd like to do it and what fits your style. That's always one place where you can also tuck in some links and you can be surprised, you know, what kind of things can happen from that. And you know what, if they click through on the link to Pittsburgh and they decide that they want to go to Cleveland instead, you still earn the commission. Excellent. So I've got a few reader questions. Uh, so two audience questions. They're not reading. I mean, they are reading, but they're not reading. They're hopefully listening to us. Diana Hansen said, how do you naturally do text links without saying, quote, get it here and link to here? You can literally turn the, the word or the name into the link. 
so you don't have to say buy it here. Um, usually a lot of times, you know, because you've turned it into a link, people can hover over it. So usually they'll be able to see what the name of it is. You can do something like pretty links. So you can say, you know, backslash Adidas, backslash Under Armour, backslash, you know, Lonely Planet or eBags or whoever it might be. Um, so that's that's what you can do. You don't have to say buy it here to actually do it. Turn the turn the name itself or the the noun itself into the link. But and that's actually oh sorry, go Amanda. <laughs> I said I was just gonna say, but I will say that usually using action language and telling your readers what you want them to do with that link is actually a really good strategy for affiliate links. So um, not to say you should have like buy it here interspersed randomly in your paragraphs, but if you're writing, let's say like a, a roundup of products or some sort of gear, uh, maybe at the bottom of each section, you could have a button or a link that mm -hmm. says buy it here or check prices or something like that. Um, I find that we often think our readers can read our minds and they can't. Uh, sometimes they actually need to be told what to do. <laughs> um, and it, it could just be as easy as, you know, like get yours here. Um, an example that I use when I'm doing mentioning hotels, I don't do full on hotel reviews, but if I'm doing one of those kind of where to stay guides or even just adding a small section in a post about where to stay in a destination, um, I'll write like a paragraph or two about the hotel and then I'll put two li two links, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I'll put one that'll say like check re or read reviews on TripAdvisor and that's where my TripAdvisor link will go or book a room here and that'll go to whatever booking site that I'm using because the two have different commission structures and I, we don't need to get into that. But I'm actually telling people what to do with those links. So sometimes very clear calls to action are a good idea to use. And if I can just toss one thing in here a little bit, it's a little bit of an embarrassing story, but I'm game to share it. My husband and I were fortunate enough to go to Prague a couple of years ago. And so we had read this wonderful blog post about this hotel that this blogger just loved. So we wanted to stay there, but she didn't have a link in her article to that. So I went to another site, booked a room. And when we went there, I remember looking at the front of the hotel going, this isn't it. And it turned out we were at a place a block away that had, I didn't speak Czech. So to me, the name looked the same and it wasn't. And so every day on our way to Old Prague, we got to walk past the hotel that we wanted to stay at, which was really frustrating, you know? So really putting in those kinds of links is a service to your reader. If you're telling them that something is wonderful, make it easy for them to buy. Don't just say, and here's the whole internet, good luck finding it. Cause that's what happened to us. You know, if she had put that link in there, I would have stayed where she said was wonderful. I mean, we still had a good hotel, but it wasn't the same one. And she would have probably made about $60 in commissions from our hotel room. So, you know, it would have served us and it also would have served her. So, you know, don't be afraid to put those links in that you're doing something that's not a service to your readers. I absolutely see it as a way to improve their experience in reading your post. If they want to duplicate what you did, they want to stay where you're at, make it easy for them. Don't make them crazy. They want to have your outfit. They want to have your makeup look. They want to bake your cake. They want to make your chair, whatever it is. They want to refinish your uh, barn door. Whatever the thing is, they want to replicate. I mean, there's a reason that it's, it's as you said, Amanda, that it's sharing your influence. They're reading your post for a reason. They want to use your expertise. And so rather than feeling that hesitation to be salesy or uh, disingenuous or whatever is causing you to hesitate from sharing those things. I think it's just another part of you sharing your expertise and enabling you to continue creating the content that your readers are consuming. So Absolutely. banish those thoughts, wash those nasty thoughts out of your head. 
That's no problem. And then I, what I was also going to say is that there's a reason calls to action are such a hot topic in marketing um, and why people talk about having strong calls to action and phrasing of your calls to actions and formatting your calls to action. It's because people need calls to action. Uh, so that's something that people need to be told. So I think that that sharing that too um, is is not not something you should feel uh, hesitant to do. And then finally, what we were talking about in terms of linking on the proper nouns and linking on more than just action words, not feeling like you have to create a special place to do that, but linking on the words, that's actually something that we preach really strongly in our SEO strategy as well, rather than when you're doing interlinking with your own posts, rather than saying, if you want to read more about my trip to Bangkok, please click here. You can just say, I took a trip to Bangkok in 2014 and just having people click on that link, it's much better for your SEO and something we highly encourage. So again, all of these strategies go together and we're always preaching things that are not only going to help you monetize your content, but also help your readers to have a better experience. We had someone, uh, Debbie Mascari McKee asked about Etsy and be signing up to be an affiliate for Etsy. We posted that link in the comments, so we're already set on that. Um, I have amazing colleagues. They're already all over it, and we love it. I wanted to ask this, too. I I've heard from many affiliate marketing experts um, that email is really where they convert. Is that something that you guys find to be true? How do you? How is email playing a role in your affiliate marketing strategy? We'll start with Amanda there. Yeah, so I think... This is another one where it totally depends on your niche and it depends on your audience and who's on that list. Um, it also depends on the affiliates because there are some affiliates, famously Amazon, um, that does not that do not allow you to use affiliate links in emails. Um, so this is this is the time where we're going to say read your program terms. <laughs> so absolutely, no matter, no matter what affiliate program you are joining, make sure to read the terms to know where you can use the links. Most programs now are fine with you using links on social media, um, and it'll be in the program terms if for some reason you're not allowed to. And email is another one of those places where some affiliates might say, like, not allowed to do that here. Mm -hmm. um, some email providers, like uh, MailChimp and stuff like that, they have some things in their terms where you're not really supposed to send out emails that are like just full of affiliate links. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, you just have to like kind of pay attention to what you can and can't do. But um, if you're doing it correctly, email can be a great way to do it. I know a lot of people in the travel niche will um, actually just use their email list to drive traffic to posts on their blogs that have affiliate links. So that's a way to kind of work around the like no affiliate links and newsletters rule that some affiliates and email providers have. Um, so that would be like if you're if you've written a post about, um, you know, like this great recipe you just made and you want to tell people how to find the ingredients. Um, instead of like listing everything in an email you send out, you're just sending out the email with the link to the blog post and you're sending them there and then they're buying through your links that way. Um, so I, I think that's probably the safest way to do it. But if you do have uh, products where you can just send links and emails, there are, I mean, your email list is kind of gold. That's, I mean, just ask any internet marketer and they'll tell you that your email list is these people have given you their email address, which is like a very private part of them. Um, and so if you're sending them things that they're interested in, uh, they're much more likely to buy through an email than through just something they're going to find on Google. So yeah, if you can, if you can do it right, definitely a good strategy. Janine, same question to you. What is, e what role does email play? 
No, I think that, you know, I mean, there are people that are very good at it. And, and that's kind of one of those things, too, um, where you really want to test a lot. You want to see what does your audience react to. So, you know, if you've got links scattered throughout your content, that's fine. I know some people, you know, and including travel writers, who at the bottom of each one of their emails will just say, you know, new things I love. And then talk about a product and just do kind of a one or two sentence review, you know, and so it, people are kind of like, oh, it's kind of fun. Let me check it out. You know, and I've seen a lot of success doing that. Um, there are some people that just absolutely sell an incredible amount on email, but they've worked hard to make sure that their email list, that whatever topic it is that they're showing and offering is tailored to their email list. That that's going to be something that people really want to buy. So it may take a little bit of experimentation. Um, but I mean, you really don't have anything to lose on it. You're sending the email anyway. So, you know, toss in a link or two, um, maybe try the, you know, things I love strategy or whatever it is. It's not going to hurt you. It shouldn't affect your delivery rates or anything like that. You know, if you're being compliant on everything else, it, an affiliate link's not going to stop you from getting through. Although I do agree with Amanda, you don't want to send like a hundred links that doesn't go over well. Google doesn't like it. Neither do the email providers. But, you know, some some strategically placed links can be very successful. So you uh, mentioned something very important, Amanda, that we always preach in any kind of relationship, which is read your contracts, read your terms and conditions, make sure that you know everything that's going on. So I would say just based on my um my prior experience that probably the most the two most important things to really pay attention to would be your commission rate your payment scale or your payment terms and then also cookie link i think would also be a highly important thing to pay attention to what about you guys do you have do you use lawyers do you have a standard agreement that you like to look at talk to me about all that and then is it as as we always love to negotiate and preach negotiation and everything can you negotiate these things so with us, one of the things that I really love about working with AWIN is that we really do spell out all the terms and conditions. So, you know, and those are all shown to um, a blogger, shown to an influencer before they actually join the program. It's part of the application process that that's shown to them one last time before they say, yes, I want to apply. And that information is always available to them. And the other thing that you can do is you can always reach out to the merchant, the affiliate manager, to whoever it is that's managing the program and ask them questions. I'm not sure. Can I do this? Yes or no, you know, and, and be able to reach out and do that. So I think that that's very important to do as well. I love that you brought up cookie length. Thank you for asking that question. One of the challenges that can occur in working with Amazon is Amazon has a 24-hour cookie. It is one day, period. Most merchants um, with their own programs or on a network usually are much longer than that. You know, um, three days is a rarity. Um, seven days is even a rarity. Most of them are 30 days. And so for me, for example, Lonely Planet on Amazon is a one-day cookie and a 4% commission. Lonely Planet on AWIN is a 30-day cookie and a 15% commission. So, you know, if, if you want to use Amazon, that's fine. God bless. You know, I get that a lot of people will shop there. I hate Amazon. I never buy there. But that's my choice. Uh, excuse, excuse me. <laughs> They're making me choke. So <laughs> <laughs> they know. Probably, they probably know. Buy some no. off no. on Amazon. I'm kidding. Don't. You know, and I mean that is kind of one of the things to know. I mean, I've I've talked to a lot of publishers who are like, oh, it's so easy to do Amazon because you know you just have that nice little window and the link just pops up and you can just grab it and copy it. Yeah, but if you've also got that open, Amazon knows everything you're doing. I mean, they know every email that you sent. They know every website that you visited. You've given them permission to keep track of all that, and they do. 
they have so many data points on you, it's wicked scary. Um, because I've been on webinars on the other side where people are talking about how you can use all this vast amount of data that Amazon has on everybody to really target your audience. You know, so it's like, it's really scary. So, you know, that's kind of one of the things to do. But yeah, you know, do by all means, take a look at cookie length, take a look at commissions. If it's an impulse product, you know, Amazon may be right. You know, I, I was talking to someone last night and a travel blogger, and, you know, she said that when it's sunglasses, she's going to send them to Amazon instead of Sunglass Hut because they're used to just clicking on Amazon and buy one now. Good. That works for her. You know, she's tested that out and she knows. And I think that that's an important thing, too, is to test out and see how your audience responds to each merchant. You know, like Amazon, like Amanda was saying before, you know, do your testing and see what it is that they like. But it never hurts to kind of offer them more than one choice as well. You know, if you want to do that, you know, some some publishers will do that where they've got buy it on Amazon, buy it on the Lonely Planet website and, and let the person kind of pick. Because if you think about it, too, the individual merchants has spent a lot of time and a lot of money to make sure that their site converts because otherwise they don't eat. You know, I mean, so it's one of those things. Their whole livelihood depends on that. Amazon presents every product virtually the same way. And so that's kind of something to, to keep in mind because Amazon's like, great, you don't want to buy this, you can buy that. You know, I mean, they're just, they're all over the place. So just, you know, take a look at all those kinds of things and see where you think people are going to convert more. Amanda, how about you? Yeah, I just ditto. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, the things that I look at when I am looking at like a new affiliate program would be, yes, uh, commission rate, cookie length. If there are any other strange terms in there, like there are some affiliates that allow you to buy through your own affiliate links. So that's, they're very few and far between, but they do exist. So that's a good thing to know if that's in your program terms that you can, you know, make some of that money back if you're going to spend it through an affiliate. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned whether you can negotiate any of these things. I would say if it's something, if you're just joining a program, and obviously if you're joining through one of these larger platforms, it's not something you can negotiate out of the gate. However, right. if you've been an affiliate for a while and you've been a successful affiliate, you can absolutely negotiate things like higher commission rates. Um, so I've done this with a couple of my bigger affiliates who... Um, again, these are brands that they kind of have realized that working long term with bloggers and offering really good affiliate deals as opposed to just like sponsored posts or free trips or whatever is a better long term strategy. So um, in some cases, these brands have been like, hey, you've sold, you know, a decent amount for us. How about you maybe add in some more links and we'll bump you up a couple percentage points in commission. So that's certainly something you can do, especially if you can prove that you're actually selling something. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so more commission is always something that's negotiable after you've had some like experience and you ha have a good track record as a good affiliate. Absolutely. You know, and there's also things like custom coupon codes that, you know, could really help you try and, and sell more things. You know, sometimes you can just start off that whole relationship with something like a sponsored post or, you know, a sponsored social media campaign or something like that. You know, you can, you can reach out to them and say, look at all this stuff that I've sold for you. Would you consider and make your pitch? The smarter merchants are going to read that and they're going to take a look at what you've done for them. And if you've been good for them, oh yeah, they're going to talk to you. Yeah, definitely. And I think that the the really unique thing about affiliate marketing and the whole influencer space is that when you talk about the power of the influencer and the power of blog posts in terms of marketing, most of the time it's for brand awareness. Most people preach that this is for brand awareness, not for direct sales. And let's be honest, 
brands want sales. That's what they want. That's what the name of the game is for everyone out there is they want to convert. And when you can actually prove that you're converting and making them money directly, as opposed to just, I got you this many website, this, which is great. And a lot of brands are looking for that. And that's a great strength of influencers, but this is the one revenue stream where you can say, I mean, I don't know if it's the one, but it's, it's a revenue stream where you can actually say, this is dollars and cents. I made this with my content period. I think that it's huge. I think it's such a great thing that that and another wonderful, wonderful revenue stream for influencers. Kent Demas just said, well done, ladies, sharing some excellent info. Thank you, Kent, for watching. We appreciate it. So how do you decide which posts need affiliate links? Is it a spray and pray? We'll just toss them out there like seeds and see which ones take root. Or is it more? I mean, you've talked some about strategically knowing. We we often encourage people to optimize a season ahead. So looking in their analytics, seeing which posts are performing well in every Easter, every Thanksgiving, every, and then going ahead and, and adding those links. Is that is a proactive way to do it? Amanda, how do you do that? If you're starting out with affiliate marketing, so let's say you, your blog has been around a little while, you have content, and now you're trying to figure out where the heck do I add affiliates. Um, I always tell people, go into your analytics and start with like your top 10 to 20 posts and yeah. see which of those would be a good fit for affiliate links. Like I said before, not every single post needs to have affiliate links. Um, you can certainly go the spray and pray route, but let's face it, we don't have time to add links to every single piece of content, especially if, I mean, I know some bloggers out there who have been blogging as long as I have, and if you've got eight to 10 years worth of content on your blog and you're just now trying to add affiliates, it's going to be very, very time consuming to add to every single post. So I would start with probably the top 10 to 20. Um, go through those, audit those, see if there are any natural fits for affiliate links. And then from there, maybe think seasonally. And then going forward is when I would say start thinking more strategically about the type of content you're writing. So, you know, maybe maybe every season you come up with a post that's kind of like affiliate driven or um, when you're writing whatever new content you're you're putting out maybe you're doing something like janine suggested with adding a section at the bottom of your post that could have some helpful affiliate links in it if like the post content itself maybe doesn't lend itself to affiliate so that's where i would start <laughs> fantastic same question to you janine um let me see amanda to copy you ditto fantastic. <laughs> no, that was that that was really you know good solid information there um you know one of the things too that you can see is if you've got existing links on your site that aren't monetized you know try and see where people are leaving your site and going to in your analytics and you know if they're going from your site to some other place because you had a link in there anyway because you had loved the product before and you put that link in now turn it into a monetized link you know, there's there's actually some technologies on certain networks that will automatically monetize a link for you. We have a, a WordPress plugin, for example, that'll do that. Um, you know, so in that case, that can make it easier for you. But see what it is, you know, whether it's our network or a different network, what are people clicking out from to go to? And see if you can turn that into an affiliate link. Because, you know, obviously you have inspired them to go find out more information about that product let your cookie go along and, you know, hopefully collect a sales commission on it. Absolutely. If they're going to be leaving your site, make some money on it. 
Why not? Okay, ladies, so I can't believe we only have four minutes left of our time together, which is such a bummer. You've been sharing such incredible information. I could talk to you guys all day. Um, but I do, I want to kind of give a final question to be, if people are wanting more information on affiliate marketing, if they want to learn, if they want to become gurus, experts, where would you recommend that they go? And I know that, uh, you know, there, I'm sure there are some of the platforms offer education, but if there are specific eBooks, courses, YouTube channels, podcasts, be thinking of those, please. And then also, if they want to find you, where could they find you? Okay. Well, you know, there's a lot of conferences that you go to. So if you enjoy going to conferences, you can usually find almost every conference now is having at least something that's talking about monetization. And often that's affiliate marketing. So I always do kind of strongly recommend that. Um, there's one conference called Affiliate Summit, which happens twice a year. In January, it's usually in Vegas and usually in October in New York City. So it actually starts in like a couple of days. But there's 5,000 people there talking about affiliate marketing. And, you know, it's appropriate for everybody from a newbie to, I mean, I learned new stuff and I've been doing this for 20 years because that's, to me, that's part of the fun of affiliate marketing is you can say, oh, that's so last week. And it's true. You know, it <laughs> can change. But, um, you know, so that's what I do. There's a lot of great groups like on Facebook and stuff like that. A lot of the networks have their own Facebook groups. Um, I know the chair sale does. We do at AWIN. Um, and I'm sure that some of the other guys do as well, where you can go in and ask questions. Um, but there's a, a lot of places like that. So, you know, do try some different groups. People are always happy to kind of share their best information with each other. So anybody wants to contact me, my email is just simply janine.crooks at awin.com. So if you've seen my name on here, it's uh, just put a dot in the middle and an at awin.com at the end. Um, I am on Facebook. I am on LinkedIn. I am on Twitter. Uh, with my name, you know, reach me anyway. I get pinged all the time, all different ways, and I love it. So please feel free to just reach out and ask me questions, send me an email. I will do my best to help you and answer any questions that you've got. And where can we catch you speaking? Any upcoming speaking engagements? Well, I'm going to be speaking at Affiliate Summit. I'm Excellent. going to be speaking. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I will be attending FinCon. I will be speaking at CardCon, which is about credit cards. And oh. I'm speaking at the Military Influencers Conference. I'm speaking at the TBEX Conference in Billings, Montana, so the Travel Bloggers Exchange. And then I'm speaking at the SATW Conference in El Paso in October. So, so no, you're not speaking anywhere. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just going to sit home and knit. Fantastic. I mean, knitting is good as long as you're posting about it and posting affiliate links for yarn. So exactly. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Very successful. <laughs> yeah, of course. And same to you. Same question to you, Amanda. Um, so, okay. So affiliate marketing resources. Um, there are uh, some podcasts out there that are really good. Uh, everyone's probably heard of Pat Flynn. Smart Passive Income um, is a great website podcast resource center if you just want to learn about affiliate marketing in general. Um, there's also uh, some courses out there. I know there's one called Making Sense of Affiliate Marketing that's really popular. I have a course that's just for travel bloggers uh, to kind of like get started with affiliate marketing. So it is very beginner based, but it's just on Teachable um, that I made a couple years ago. And yeah, I, I think Janine covered everything else. So if you want to find me online, my travel blog is called A Dangerous Business. That's dangerous dash business.com. Um, and then you can find me on social media at dangerous biz with a Z on all the, all the networks. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. 
fantastic. We are posting up all those links. So those are going to be in the comments on Facebook. I, you guys have been wonderful and I certainly consider you even more expert than I did when we started, which is a difficult feat. Thank you so much for joining me. Everyone else, thank you for being here with us for another week. Next week, we're talking SEO. We are so excited to continue our summer of live. If you've got ideas for content in the future, post them in comments, comment on our Facebook, comment on, come at us on Twitter, YouTube, wherever you want. Just let us know. We want to provide you with the content that you're interested in seeing, and that's going to help you grow your business. Everyone have a wonderful day. Thank you to my guests. Thank, thank you, Jenny. On Air is brought to you by Mediavine. If you're creating amazing and original content, we are here to help. From ad management with maximum earnings and 24-7 support to cutting-edge WordPress plugins, our team has your back. Want free tips in your inbox? Subscribe to our newsletter at mediavine.com slash subscribe. If you're a Mediavine On Air fan, and why wouldn't you be, please give us your five-star rating love and subscribe wherever you're listening.